This morning, I want to talk to you about the sins of Uzzah. If you'll remember, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had the honor of hosting Dave Ogren here and the tremendous ministry that Dave is doing around the world. And how many remember his message? <laughs> Beth's got it. God's presence. It was about pursuing God, God's presence. The theme that God is speaking to us. That God is speaking to us, and it's simply just, just this. Just pursue my presence. This is the kind of the theme that's been happening. And Dave Ogren and I, we didn't collaborate. We didn't say, hey, this is what we should preach on. No, it was just, you know what? The Holy Spirit was moving, and the theme was there, and it's this. Pursue his presence. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, how many have a Bible with you? Or a Bible in front of you, or on your phone, or on your iPad, or whatever it would be? Please turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 1. And it says this. Go ahead and pull that up on PowerPoint. Steve? Hi, how you doing? <laughs> so, no, we're good. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 says this. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab. We're going to hear some interesting names today. First name, was we, we talked about Uzzah. We'll talk about Uzzah. Some people say Uzzah. I say Uzzah because it sounds cool. I like Uzzah, Uzzah. And then Abinadab. So out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab. So you have Uzzah and Ahio. How many know Ohio? It's a lame joke. I can't stand Ohio. Ahio's not bad, no. So the sons of Abinadab drove the new cart. They had, they had made a new cart. They set the ark of God on the cart. And they had driven the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Aho Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all the kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. Right here we see... A, we, we see there, David had chosen all the men of Israel, the choice men of Israel, 30,000, and they arose and they went to the people who had the Ark of the Covenant. How many know what the Ark of the Covenant is? Raise your hand. Or have you ever heard of the Ark of the Covenant? How many ever heard of the Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones? <laughs> Mike Nichols, I heard you say it. Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant. How many like that movie? I'm a fan. Cool movie, right? talks about the Ark of the Covenant, but this is not the Indiana Jones story. We're not going to talk about Indiana Jones too much today. But what is the Ark of the Covenant? Well, I want to, before we go into what the Ark is, I want to explain some things to you about Israel. Israel as a people had the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I want you to go to the next slide. And whenever, this is what was directed by God. This is what would happen. Whenever Israel would go and make camp somewhere, 
they would build this. This is what is called the tabernacle. So this is a depiction of what it would look, look, look like. And there's three parts of the tabernacle. There was the outside or the outer court. And then under the tent, there was two parts. So you had the outer court. And then when you went into the tent, you had the holy, of, you had the, uh, holy place or the inner court. And then you had the, the most holy place called the holy of holies. So you had the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. How many remember that there's a song that says, take me past the outer courts into the holy place, past the brazen altar. Lord, I long to see your face. Remember the song? So this is what it would contain, or this is what it would look like. Please go to the next slide. So it would have this. So as you go into the outer court, you have this tent city there. And as you go into the outer court, there's the altar of sacrifice. You have the bronze basin. We're not going to go into all, what all of these things mean right now, but just to give you an idea of what it was. When they go in, they go into the holy place. In the holy place, they have the altar of incense. They have a lampstand. They have a table of showbread. And then you have the holy of holies. In this holy of holies was one thing. It was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. Part of the Ark of the Covenant we'll take a look at in just a minute is, is what's called the mercy seat. We'll get into what that means. But they have one thing in the Holy of Holies. It's the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what would happen is this. You had the high priest, God-appointed priests to Israel. They were the family of Levites. They were the priests. Now, I want to I say this, that you could not go into the Holy of Holies if you had unconfessed sin in your life. In fact, they would tie a rope around the high priest. And as he went in, if he had any sin in his life that was unconfessed to God, he would drop dead. Because you can't stand before the very presence of God with sin in your life. He would drop dead. And they would take the rope and they would pull his body out. The holy of holies. I'm and I'm not talking about, well, it's just a small little room. It's like a little room back here, the choir room, and we go and, you know, we got the Ark of the Covenant there, and we're just kind of, all right, Lord, here we are. No, I mean, this was the place where God resided. This was the very place where God resided. Go to the next picture. It shows the Ark of the Covenant. This was the Ark of the Covenant. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Ark this morning. It was built by a man named Bezazel. Bezazel, another cool name from very specific instructions that were given to Moses by God in Mount Sinai. And there's three significant things that were inside this ark. Just a little bit of history. There's a little bit of, there's three things that were inside the ark. How many know what the three things were? The Ten Commandments, or what's called the Decalogue. So you have the Decalogue, or the Ten Commandments was one. What's that? Aaron's staff, or Aaron's rod that had budded. Aaron had a wooden rod, and through a miracle, it had budded, and this was in, in the ark as well. And then there's one more. Anybody know? Jar of manna, or a bowl of manna. This was what God used to sustain Israel during the Exodus. Amen? Sometimes God uses, us, uses things to sustain us. When placed in the Holy of Holies, God spoke directions to Israel through the high priest. 
when outside of the tabernacle, when, when the Ark of the Covenant was outside of the tabernacle, this was the most direct representation of the Spirit of God, of the power of God. And here's what was said. Because if we go back to the first verse, go back to the first verse there, and it says this, uh, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. Who dwells between the cherubim. Now go back to the picture of the ark. Who dwells between the cherubim. Up top there you see two angels. Another name for angels is cherubim. And that it's said that God would speak and that his voice would come from the middle of those cherubim. That that's where the voice of God would come from. That's where the direction would come from. The importance of this could not be understated. When placed in the Holy of Holies, I mean, you had the presence of God in that place. When outside of the Holy, Holy of Holies, it was the direct representation of God. And wherever it was, as long as God chose it to be there, a great blessing came upon that place. If it was at somebody's house, if it was outside of the tabernacle and outside of the Holy of Holies, if it was traveling or going somewhere, if it was at somebody's house, a great blessing came upon, that, upon their house. Unless it was an enemy of God. If it was an enemy of God, then a great curse would come upon that house. So you had the Philistines. Philistines were the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God. They had taken the ark. I mean, they had stolen the Ark of the Covenant. They took it. It had to be carried a very specific way. It had, you had these rods that came through, and you had four men, and each man grabbed one hold, a hold of one end of the rods, and that's how they carried it. Everything was to very specific instructions. So the Philistines had stolen this Ark. What do you think happened to the Philistines? Nothing good? Talk about nothing good. They had it for seven months. For seven months, they had nothing but plagues come in their house. Nothing but disease come in their house. In fact, the last part, this is where I think God has a sense of humor. I once heard a Christian comedian, and he said it this way. So the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, and God's pretty upset. What am I going to do about this? You know, kind of thinking. Give them this plague, give them that plague. They're not giving it back. What's the last thing I could do? He says, I got it. I'll give him hemorrhoids. Guess what? He did. God gave, it's in the Bible, people. You can laugh. It's okay. God gave the Philistines hemorrhoids. And they got hemorrhoids, and it was so devastating that they said, okay, we are going to give it back. God can be funny sometimes. Amen? Don't mess with my stuff. He gave them hemorrhoids. And they, came, they gave it back. Now, what, what, here's what happened. They gave it back, but it, it, it did this. It went to the house of Abinadab. Abinadab. I love the name Abinadab. It went to the house of Abinadab, and it was there for 20 years. For 20 years, it had been built by Bezazel. It had gone with the Israelites around through the Exodus and all this good stuff. It had been stolen by the Philistines. Philistines got, got the plagues. They got the hemorrhoids. They gave it back. 
And then it's in the house of Abinadab, and it's there for 20 years. And in this 20 years, the house of Abinadab is blessed. Where the Spirit of God resides, there is blessing. Where the Spirit of God resides, there is blessing. Have you allowed the Spirit of God to reside in your house? Have you allowed the Spirit of God to reside at your home? I'm asking a genuine question, and I think it deserves a genuine answer. Have you allowed the Spirit of God to reside at your house and in your home? You say, well, you know, you, you say, God, I'll let you in, in the front door, and you can come and spend time in our living room where my Bible is, but don't, Lord, you know, don't go into this room. Don't go into that room. You better stay out of the bedroom. You better stay out of this closet or that closet. Have we allowed God to come and truly reside in our homes and reside in our house? The Ark of the Covenant had been with Abinadab for 20 years. And they're going, now David sees this. David sees the blessing upon Abinadab's house. So he takes 30,000 men with him, and they go to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. They go to bring the ark back to the city of David. They're, they're going to bring the ark back home where it belongs, where the nation of Israel is set up. And so they go to get the ark. And as they are, go to the first verse again. As they're going, as they, they go and they take the ark. Now remember. There are specific instructions on how to carry it. There are spe specific instructions on how to travel with it. You had to have the men on the rods and they would wa be walking with it. But this is what they did. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. Let me just say, it doesn't matter if it's a new cart or an old cart. They weren't doing what the Lord had directed them to do. They set the, the ark of God on a new cart, as if that would make a difference, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark, and Ahio went before the Lord, or before the ark. And this is what they were doing. David and all the house of Israel were playing music before. They were celebrating they were celebrating. I don't know, uh, Jenny, what's, what's a fir, fir wood instrument? What would that be? No idea. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> fir wood, I, I don't know. I'm thinking like something, a woodwind or something like that. They're, they're playing on fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments. How many play the guitar? A stringed instrument, right? They're playing on harps. Maybe. Flutes, that's a good, that's a good one. Or a... Uh, what was the thing you learned how to play in, in sixth grade? Nope. Recorder. Who said it? Recorder. <laughs> I used to learn how to play on a recorder. So they take these instruments of fir wood on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines. How many know what a tambourine is? Where's the tambourine? They got the Ark of the Covenant and whoo! Come on, you know what? I need a volunteer. You had your hand raised first. Come on up. This is awesome. Go ahead and tell, tell your name. Madeline. Madeline. This is a, this is a, this is a, what is this again? 
Uh, tambourine. <laughs> tambourine, go ahead and hold on to that. Chris, uh, you got a guitar? Come on up here. There's a guitar up here. Uh, who else has a guitar? Katrina? Bryce? Bryce, get your guitar. Come on up here. Bring it over here. Bryce, come on. We got extra guitars or what's going on? I don't want to bring up too many feet. Whoever. That's all right. Uh, on Sistrums, I don't know what a Sistrum is. Actually, I had to look it up uh, on YouTube. There was a lady playing a Sistrum, and I couldn't, even though I watched the video, I still can't tell you what it is. So, and then on Cymbals. Austin, on cymbals, come on up. Look at these guys. Look, look at this. All right, Madeline, come on up here. Is it going to sound horrible? <laughs> That's okay. Because this is what was happening. This is what's happening. I want you to understand this. I want you to get a clear picture of this, that they, that they had gone and gotten the Ark of the Covenant. The very presence of God was coming back to Jerusalem. The very presence of God was coming back to their home, the blessing that the Lord had for them. The very presence of God was coming, and as it was coming, they were playing on their instruments. Go ahead and play. No, no. Come on. They were excited. They were taking that tambourine, and they were, woo! Go ahead and do that. Yeah. They were excited. They were saying that finally the presence of the Lord is coming back here. That's what they were doing. You may now stop. <laughs> Thank you very much. Give him a hand. They were celebrating because the presence of God was back home, was coming back home. They were on their way. They were bringing it. They were celebrating what the Lord has done. For 20 years, it had been in Abinadab's house. For 20 years, it had been away from the state of Israel. And now it was coming back, and they were in celebration. It's like, you know what? I get excited when I think about experiencing the presence of God. I get excited when I think about the Spirit of the Lord coming upon me. I get excited when I think about His holy presence residing in this place. I get, that's, what, that's what gets me going. That's what gets me excited. And so this is what they're excited about. This is what they're following after. So, they are excited. They are worshiping. They are praising God on all sorts of instruments. We, already, we just saw a few. And then something happens. Go to the next verse. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Nashon's threshing floor, what was this? A threshing floor was a place where they would thresh the wheat. And it was usually a circular area. There's probably some dirt there, and there was a pile in the middle, and they would take big rakes and, and, and throw it up in the air, and they would be threshing it. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, this is a specific place, Uzzah put his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. They're taking the ark in this new cart. They get to Nashon's threshing floor. The ark stumbles, or the, the, the cart stumbles, 
And Uzzah, who is walking alongside the cart, puts his hand upon the ark. And then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. I want you to think about that for a second. They're walking with the ark. It's on the new cart. He sees that the oxen stumbled. He goes and lays his hand on the ark. And the anger of the Lord came against him. And God struck him for his error. And he died there by the ark. He died there by the ark. I have a question. What was his sin? What was the sin of Uzzah? Because honestly, upon first glance, I think, God, that was kind of an overreaction. That's my first, that's my first thought. I mean, all he did was touch the ark, right? He's walking along. I think, God, you killed him. I mean, why did he have to die just for touching the ark? What was the reason behind it? What was the sin of Uzzah? What were the sins of Uzzah? Why did he die? What had he really done wrong? Have you ever read the Bible and you see that somebody died and you think, why? I mean, I mean was it that really that big of a deal? I've thought that. God, why? I mean, he had to die. Why? It's important to understand this. We've already talked about this a little bit. Go back to the picture of the ark. God had given specific instructions. We talked about that a little bit. And in what way? You see, first of all, the only people who could carry the ark were, called, were, were Levites. Levites were a part of the tribe of Israel. So you have the, the Israel, you have the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of those tribes was the Levites. In fact, it couldn't even be the Levites. It had to be the Levites according to a certain family. So the Levites, according to the certain family, were what was called the appointed priesthood. So these priesthood, four men, on each end of the poles, they were traveling with it. And when it was traveling, it was usually covered by animal skins. People didn't want to look upon it. So it was covered by skins. Numbers 4, in chap uh, chapter 4 and verse 15 says this. And I'm just going to read it to you. I don't believe I put it up there. It says this, after Aaron and his sons had finished covering the holy furnishings and all the holy articles, this is, they're talking about the tabernacle here, and when the camp was ready to move, the Kohathites, or the Levites of the family Kohath, are to come to do the carrying. These are the specific instructions given by God. But they are not to touch the holy things, or they will die. Numbers chapter 4, verse 15. But they must not touch the holy things, or they will die. The Kohathites are to carry those things that are in the tent of meeting, or the tabernacle. What was the sin of Uzzah? We see here specific instructions in Numbers chapter 4 that if you touch the holy things of God, you will die. Number one. What were the sins of Uzzah? Number one, he didn't revere the words of God. He didn't revere the words of God. God had given a strict commandment. 
If it's to be carried, it's to be carried in this way. Number one, the sins of Uzzah was this. He didn't fear the Lord. He did not fear the Lord. He knew the command. He knew the command. He knew the command. He'd had it in his house for 20 years. He knew the command. But he ignored it. He knew what God has spoken. Listen, he knew what God had spoken, but he chose to do things his own way. These are the sins of Uzzah. How many know they're the sins of us as well? I know what God has commanded, but I'm, I got my own ideas. I know what God has commanded. For 20 years, this thing had been in his house. The Lord had given specific instructions. Don't touch the ark or you will die. In fact, when, when you carry it, it has to be carried by this certain family, has to be carried in this certain way. So first they take it and they put it on a cart. That's the first mistake. They weren't supposed to carry it in that way. It wasn't supposed to travel in that way. Whose bright idea was it, do you think? To say, hey, you know, this thing's kind of heavy. I got an idea. Let's put it on a cart. That would have been my idea. Boy, this thing's kind of heavy. Bryce, you know, I'm sick of carrying this thing. Let's put it on a new cart. Right? The wheel had been invented. The wheel had been invented. And so you go, okay, God, let's make this a little bit easier. So we put it on the cart. And as they're taking it on the cart, the oxen start to stumble. And he puts his hand out and, and, and he is struck dead. One pastor said this about Uzzah. One pastor said this. I love this. Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. He'd had the ark at his home for 20 years. I wonder, did he take it for granted? He very likely forgot that holiness was there and what it represented there are times when we too fail to recognize the holiness of God. Becoming too familiar with him with an irreverent attitude. There's so many times in our life, you know, we get so focused on the grace of God. We get so focused on, oh, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your all-encompassing power and blood and grace and hallelujah. We forget about the holiness of God. We forget about the holiness of God. And so here's what happens. We say, well, you know, thanks, you know, because of his grace, you know, I'm good. And so we start to lose the fear of the Lord, the respect of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord. You come to a holy God in a holy place. You know, I grew up in a different kind of place. I grew up in a different kind of church. I grew up in a different kind of atmosphere. When the Spirit of God was in a place, people took their shoes off. They took their shoes off because they knew, the Bible says they were, they were standing on holy ground. There was a fear of the Lord. There was a reverence of the Lord. I'm, you're standing on holy ground. The way that God spoke to Moses, you were standing on holy ground. Remove the sandals from your feet. You say, well, Pastor David, what does that mean? When we come into church, do we have to take our shoes off? Please, no. Bryce, keep them on, man. I'm good. <laughs> but there has to be an understanding of the holiness of God. 
Familiarity breeds contempt. He likely forgot the holiness that it represented. We too fail to recognize the holiness of God being, becoming too familiar with him with an irreverent attitude. Becoming too familiar with him with an irreverent attitude. Well, you know, <laughs> how many have been here? I'll just spent your whole week doing what you're doing, living life day in, day out. Oh, it's Sunday tomorrow. Got to get to church. Got to get to church and get things right. So you get to church and get things right, and Monday you're doing the same thing you were doing on Saturday, doing on Friday. Day in and day out, just, I, I just I forget about the presence of the Lord. Why? Because we're so wrapped up in us, we forget about Him. I took my shoes off. I, I might need to put them back on just so I don't step in my own toes. Because I, it happens to me too. You say, well, as a pastor, I mean, you should... I mean, as a pastor, you would think, I'm just 24-7 praying, right? How many believe that? Bobby, I know you, you know. Just 24-7, just in my office praying. Is that how, no, that's not how, I, the, you get wrapped up in life. And sometimes it's doing good things. It's visiting people. It's praying for people. It's, it's doing good things. But sometimes even, even I, pastors, ministers, people called by God, even they sometimes get so wrapped up in doing the work of ministry that sometimes you forget about the God of ministry. And so you need to be poured into. We can't pour out from ourselves until I'm first poured into. You can't pour out from yourself until you're first poured into. So that's why you go to your work and your school and your, your place of business and you go and you try to minister to people and you find it like it's so tough. I just can't minister to anybody. I can't find the courage to open my mouth and share and witness. I'm telling you, when you get full of the presence of God, it's just going to pour out of you. When you get full of the presence of God, it's just going to flow out of your life. You won't be able to help yourself. The sins of Uzzah. He had forgotten about the holiness of God. What was the second sin? What was another sin of Uzzah? Go to, the, uh, go to the second scripture that we had. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. I want you to read that carefully. It doesn't say that the cart tipped over. Right? It doesn't say that the cart tipped over. It didn't say that the ark started to fall. It said the oxen stumbled. And so because the oxen stumbled, Uzzah felt like it was his responsibility to protect the integrity of God. I want you to think about that for a second. That Uzzah felt like it was his responsibility to, oh, let's, let's, let's take hold of the ark because if the ark of God falls on the ground, it's going to be a misrepresentation for everybody to see. So I have to, me and my little stuff have to help God. How many know how many times we try to help God? How many times, hey, I'll be the first one to say, how many people tried to defend God on Facebook? Come on. Don't everybody put your head down. Beth, I don't need people to put their hands up either. 
How many, how many times you try to defend God on Facebook? Try to defend God to your friends. Try to de- you know what? He is God Almighty. Sitting on a throne, reigning in power. You don't need to defend him any more than you need to defend the ark from the water. Here's what happened. The sin of Uzzah. He felt it was his responsibility to defend the integrity of God. The Holy Spirit, the God, our almighty God somehow needed his assistance. He presumed that without his help, God would suffer. Without, without Uzzah help, without, and this wasn't like, I want God to use me. This was a sin of pride. This was a sin of pride. This is, I got it. God, I'm good. I got it. I got you. I got your back, Lord. When God is saying, no, I'm good. I'll take care of this situation for you. So many times we try to step in the way of what God is trying to do. I've been there. You've been there. We've all been there. All right, God, let me help you out with this. Sometimes God says, I just want to show off for you. I just want to be almighty God in your life. I just want you to depend on me. I just want you to lean on me. I just want you to be a part of my presence. You say, Pastor Dave, what are you saying? Are you saying we shouldn't defend God? We shouldn't defend our faith? We shouldn't defend... Sometimes we get so wrapped up in it, it's not about us defending the face. It's about us, us proving that we're right. How many know I've gotten in arguments many times? I don't call them arguments anymore, debates. How many debates have you gotten into where you feel like you have to prove you're right? That's not about you defending God. That's about you defending your own pride. He, he, you want to know one of the greatest defenses of God? Elijah. Elijah is, <laughs> yeah, the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal have, have come and they put God to the test. And Elijah says, you know what? Put up, put up your, uh, put up your calves and you soak it with water and you pray that God comes down and soaks it, I mean, just takes it up. You pray to your God, Baal, and I'll just wait. Okay. So they do. So they take the calves put on there, they pour the water on there, they get it soaked, and they start, the prophets of Baal, they start doing what they do. They're, they're dancing around it, they're cutting themselves, they're doing all sorts of different stuff, and Elijah starts laughing at them. Elijah starts laughing. In fact, he kind of starts shouting at him, Hey, where's your God? Is he sleeping? Hey, maybe he's using the bathroom. How many just, someone just gasped. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> That's okay. That's what they said. He said, hey, here's, here's, here's the wording of the Bible. Hey, is he covering his feet? That was the biblical way of saying, was he going to the bathroom? He was mocking them. Because all they were doing, they're cutting, they're shouting, they're dancing, wasn't doing anything. So now it's Elijah's turn. And he comes up and he does this. He just prays. He doesn't, he doesn't get up in front of the prophets of Balaam. Hey, let me defend my position. Let me tell you why you're right or why you're wrong and I'm right. No, he just gets in and he prays. And the fire of God comes down and burns up the offering. 
And God is magnified and God is glorified. It's when we get out of the way and let God be God. We have to get out of the way sometimes and just let God be God. Uzzah presumed that with his help, without his help, God would suffer. Job says it this way. How can we fathom the mysteries of God? His greatness, no one can fathom. His understanding, no one can fathom. Moses lost his right to enter into the promised land because he felt his need to intervene on God's behalf. What happened was God had commanded him to speak to a rock, and out of that rock would flow water for the Israelites. And instead of speaking to it like God commanded, Moses got angry and took something and hit it, struck it. And God said, that is not what I commanded you. And because of that, Moses wasn't allowed into the promised land. You see, I think we need to have an understanding in the modern culture, in the modern church, about the holiness of God, about the power of God. I understand the grace of God, and I understand the mercy of God, and I love it, and thank God for it. But we have to come to an understanding of his holiness. Can you understand the fathom of the mysteries of God? His greatness, no one can fathom. His understanding, no one can fathom. Sometimes I just need to come into the presence of God and say, God, just do whatever it is you do. Just move in me and through me. Use me. Not that it's my agenda, not that it's my thoughts. It was not God's intention for Moses to strike the rock. It was not God's intention for Uzzah to grab hold of the ark. It was God's intention for them to trust what he had said. Uzzah's blatant disobedience. You say, well, wait a second. All he did was, was touch the ark. All he did was put his hand out. No, he didn't just put his hand out. It was blatant disobedience. It was blatant disobedience. God had commanded it. He had ignored it and just said, I'll just do whatever I want. I'm telling you that there are repercussions in your life when you know what the word of God says and you do the opposite. There are repercussions in your life. You say, well, what about grace? What about mercy? What about the holiness and reverence and fear of the Lord? You say, Pastor David, I'm struggling in my life. I'm struggling in my finances. I'm struggling with my marriage. I'm struggling with my kids. I'm struggling in every area and every reason of my life. Why am I struggling so much? I would look at you and say these very simple words. Are you following the word of God? Are you following the instructions of the Lord? And if we're not following after the instructions of the Lord, you know, we get real upset when people talk about this. Well, who are you to tell me what to do in this and this? I'm telling you what the Bible says. You don't want to bring a curse upon your household by denying his presence. You don't want to bring a curse upon your household by denying the word of God. 
there's some men here who have opened up doors of pornography into their home that need to be shut. There's some women here who have opened up doors of gossip and backbiting and anger into their home. And until we start obeying the word of God, start moving forward in we believe in grace and mercy, but it's grace and mercy to do what it is he's commanded us to do. That's what the grace is for. The grace isn't just for us to do whatever we want and say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me. But that's what we've made it in today's culture. That the Lord is just as tolerant as we are of our own sin. Where the fact is, God is not tolerant of it. God is not, he is a holy God. I know this is tough. It's tough for you. It's tough for me. But when we go against the word of God, when we go against his instructions, when we lay a hold of the things that are holy, you can expect there to be a curse. And it's until we start to follow the instructions of God and start to follow what it is he's commanded us to do, only then will it be lifted. We need to bring the spirit of God, not just back into the church, but back into our homes with celebration, with dancing. So here's what happens. The king's response. Go to the next scripture. And David became angry. David watched this whole thing played out. He watched the whole thing play out and he becomes angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. He becomes angry about the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. He calls the name of the place Perez Uzzah. Literally, it means this the Lord exploded onto Uzzah. That the Lord exploded on him, just, just blew up on him. The Lord exploded. You see, I like what Hebrews 10 and 31 says. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Because if we have not confessed our sins to God, if we have not given ourselves over to his presence, if we have not done what it is we're supposed to do according to the Bible, it is a dreadful thing to live in the hands of of a living God. David became angry. Literally, he names the place God exploded on Uzzah. And then it says this, David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Another way of saying it, I like this translation. David realized that the ark was too hot to handle. I like that translation. That David realized that the ark was too hot to handle. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. David saw what happened with the ark. It was placed on this cart. Uzzah had tried to stop it from tumbling over or tried to, tried to help God out, you know. The, fear, the, the judgment of the Lord came upon him. Anger was aroused against him. Uzzah died. David gets upset. He gets angry. And then he says, whoa, I need to take a step back. 
I need to take a step back. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. The Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. What happens next is going to blow your mind. And you could read ahead. Don't. I'm not telling you not to read the Bible. I'm just saying don't spoil it for your neighbor. Is that okay? Because next week, we're going to talk about what happens next. Same bat time, same bat channel. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I pray that we as a church, that we as a people, that we as your people would come to understand your holiness. Lord, that we wouldn't, that, that we wouldn't just bow to the culture of tolerance, that we wouldn't just bow to the culture of, of taking you for granted, but Lord, that we would respond with the fear of the Lord that we would respond with respect for your presence, respect for your instructions, what it is you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that you would bring blessings upon our house as we invite you into each room. Lord, I pray that you would bring blessings upon those who are here. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to work in our lives, that you would move upon us, that you would speak to us, that you would use us in every area, at our work, at our job, and with our families. Lord, I pray that you continue to bring healing into people's lives in this church. Lord, I thank you for the testimonies week by week, that you continue to bring healing into people's lives, that you continue to affect them in unexpected ways. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, that you would give them rest. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.